Hey folks, Scott Weingart here, and this is the MCRIT Podcast. Today on the podcast, the critically ill diabetic ketoacidosis patient. Now that's a bit of a misnomer in that by numbers, a lot of them may actually look to be critically ill, but most of these patients aren't that sick. And in many hospitals, they're all going to the ICU. And if you don't have many ICU beds, that's probably a waste of time. These patients can be cleared in the emergency department. They can be cleared quickly. And today we're going to discuss what is, I think, the optimal way to do that. Now, before we get into the mix, if you are not already a member of the MCRIT podcast, please consider joining. You'll get the full episodes, not the truncated versions. You will get access to our forum. You'll get access to the secondary podcast on Deeper Reflection. And you'll get CME if you want it. But what you'll really get is the opportunity to be a better resus in critical care doctor. Uh, this will bridge the gap between what training you were given and where you want to be as a resuscitationist. So mcrit.org slash join. I guess the first thing to speak about is what your goal is in treating a sick DKA patient. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about sick DKA, not the, uh, you know, they have just the slightest bit of ketones and their sugar is 450 and you know they're going to clear very quickly. Those patients probably should just get subcutaneous insulin. They don't even need an insulin drip and you check them a few hours later and they should be done. You know, you might need one more round, you know. You could give Lispro Q1 hour, you just give it, you check labs, maybe you give it one more time, and they should clear. We're not talking about today. Today we're talking about severe DK. And your goal for these patients and your marker of success is to close the gap and keep it closed. Now, why am I saying this? Well, many endocrinologists base protocols and their thinking is predicated on the blood sugar. And the blood sugar really is not the goal in treating DK. Uh, and you know, you, you want to get it down, but it's going to take care of itself in almost every case. The issue is to close the gap. And if you keep that foremost in your mind, then you begin to understand how to optimize your treatment of these patients. The goal is to close the gap, and we can fix the sugar easily later on. Sugar is an easily fixable thing. Acidosis is more difficult unless you are doing it properly. So your goal is to close the gap. And then you could fix any residual blood sugar issues later on. The other thing to understand is that you could put the patient, and this is the paraphrase, a quote uh, that was made by people smarter than me, you could put the patient on a drip of warm dog piss and any amount of insulin at all, and eventually they will clear their DK in almost every case. So what we are trying to optimize is not do they eventually clear. What we're trying to optimize is rapidity of clearance because we're trying not to waste an ICU bed. Because you know if you do a crappy protocol, they'll be in the ED for three days. That's not going to work out. So understand, eventually any stupid protocol will fix the patient, which is why many ICU people will say, ah, you, what you're doing, it's, it's unnecessary. You don't need to do all this crap for DK. They, they all get better. Yeah, they all get better eventually, but that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for rapidity of safe clearance to get them the hell out of an ICU-level bed. The next thing, and I can't stress this enough, is you should have a protocol in your emergency department or critical care unit. If each doc is going to be winging it with their own version of how to do this, uh, it's going to drive the nurses crazy. It's going to lead to medication errors. It's going to lead to a lack of common understanding about how we want these patients treated. And there's really no reason for individual clinician variants for most of the patients. Now, there are special circumstances, and we'll discuss some of them, that may lead to variants, but it's wonderful 
in any situation in resuscitation to already have a standard operating procedure that's agreed upon and that all the team members can understand. And then if there are diversions, then all of a sudden the conversation becomes, hey, doc, what's different about this patient making us divert from our SOP? Oh, well, here's the reason. And that makes complete sense as opposed to the patient is bog standard and you're diverting. Well, that's probably a problem on your part if you're the doctor. So there you go. You need a protocol. And it's easy. You sit down for two hours uh, with your you know, little group who wants to make this. Maybe you run it by endocrinology. Maybe if you're in the ED, you run it by ICU and vice versa. And you come up with it. And if it could be a shared policy across the entire hospital, well, goddamn, that's a real win. We couldn't get there. Uh, we had our own rapid clearance protocol because the hospital-wide protocol, they were scared of the stuff we were doing, would take uh, you know way, way longer than our protocol. So we were able to have a mutually agreed upon amongst all the services uh, ED critical care rapid clearance protocol. And I, I put a copy of it in the show notes. You can check it out at mcrit.org slash 309. And you will find our protocol. Now, it's actually changed a little bit since then. I'll, I'll discuss where the changes are, but you know that'll give you a pretty good idea. The other thing I have there is a uh, multi-phase power plan for FirstNet that was the real win. Because not only do you want a protocol on paper, if you could have it, you want a protocol in your actual EDR so that you click one button, which is what we wound up having after we built it out. It took many iterations. It was a pain in the ass. But once we finally got there, you go beep, 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 done. Like it was a three phase power plan with the three phases being, you know, discovery of whether they're actually in decay and initial resuscitation. The second phase was insulin initiation. And uh, the third phase was transition off of the insulin drip. And with those three phases, we had all of these orders built in so that the nurses never had to get the doctors involved unless something weird was going on. And it was just a nurse-run protocol, and the nurses would clear the patients from their DK with very little involvement of the physicians uh, after the initial assessment. And it was game-changing. It was golden. It was one of the real wins in an ED critical care unit is all of a sudden we didn't send these patients to ICU beds and we'd have them cleared in, you know, 12, 16 hours automatically. You didn't have to put a lot of time in. Uh, the nurses had electrolyte repletion. They had insulin drip adjustments all built into the order set. And since they had a shared understanding because we disseminated and discussed and educated on the protocol, all of a sudden these patients were just magically clear and they would either go home or they would get admitted to a regular hospital bed. Can't stress enough, make a protocol. All right, now most of our protocol... That's the end of the free content for this particular episode. If you want to hear the full episode, just go to mcrit.org slash join and become an mcrit member. You will be taking the first step to becoming a master resuscitationist.